Okay, so yours, kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last week, Mark started this series on the, the Lord's Prayer by doing a great job of outlining um, the Lord's Prayer. This is a prayer that's found in, in Matthew's Gospel, but it also appears in Luke's Gospel as well. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount, this place where Jesus lays out his manifesto. If he was a, a politician, you know, politicians lay out a manifesto. This is what the world is going to look like or this country is going to look like if I'm in power. And Jesus lays out in the Sermon on the Mount, this is what it's going to be like in my kingdom. And this prayer, Mark reminded us, it's not for the faint-hearted. It's not for those who are satisfied with the pleasures of this world, but it is for those who are desperate for the world as it should be, not the world as it is. Mark spoke about the, the intimacy of the relationship with the Father, this God whose name is to be hallowed, it is to be it's holy, and the importance of fellowship. We are here together, aren't we, this morning? It's not just my Father in heaven, but our Father in heaven. So Mark did a great job. If you didn't listen to that, go and listen to it on the recording. And today we're moving on to verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Perhaps it's a challenge to speak on one verse quite often, but actually in this verse there is so much. We could spend the next three weeks speaking about just this verse. I'm going to try and condense it down today. What does this mean? Because there's also been a lot that's been misunderstood as well. So let's just go through some of the words in this little, there's about 12 words there or something out there, 15 words. Kingdom. We heard Rory the lion describe what a kingdom, I thought he did quite a good job earlier, didn't he, of describing what a kingdom is. What is a kingdom? Anyone want to shout out? What's a kingdom? Oh, very quiet, okay. Territory ruled by a king. Territory ruled by a king. Thank you, John. Wonderful. It's the place where the king rules, isn't it? It's the place where the king rules. We had all those flags just now, didn't we? The kingdom of South Korea, the kingdom of the United Kingdom, or the kingdom of Preston, perhaps, or the kingdom of Cornwall. These are places where... Um, there is a particular rule within this area, within this geographical area, there is a way things are done. This is the, the kingdom, this is what uh, happens in these places. Of course, it's a little bit patriarchal. We could have a queendom, but I suppose over as English was being developed, uh, they decided to use kingdom. We had a queendom, didn't we, for 70 years or so, where the, uh, the, the rule of Queen Elizabeth came to this land. But a kingdom is a place where the rule of the king is dominant. I'd like to think that my house is my kingdom, but in reality it's Jenny's kingdom, so uh, I'm not going to try and claim that. <laughs> but in our world, John is absolutely right, that in our world a kingdom is always a geographical place, a place that has borders, and you can cross from one kingdom, can't you, to another, and maybe there's a set of rules or, or laws in one kingdom, and there might be a second one if you just step over the border. Whose kingdom are we talking about in the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom. Your kingdom. Who does your refer to? Well, Mark told us last week. The Father's kingdom from the last verse. 
to your kingdom come. God's kingdom, quite simply, is wherever God's rule is unopposed. Wherever God's rule is unopposed. And there are no borders to this kingdom. It's not like an earthly kingdom where there are borders. It is wherever the forms of life are patterned around what God says. It could be in your room, at home. It could be in a relationship between two or more people. It could be within a system like an economy or a healthcare system. It could be the internet. It is anywhere where God's will is unopposed. And of course, the place that Jesus says, another place in, in the Gospels, he said, where's the kingdom dwell? It dwells within us, doesn't it? Within us. If we are new creations, as Paul says, that is where God's kingdom dwells. We are examples of where God rules unopposed. That is the hope, at least. And that's what it says in this next section. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your will is what you desire. You might have different desires in this world. I, I would love to score the winning goal in the FA Cup final. It's probably not going to happen. Uh, you might have different desires in, in your life. But similarly, God has a desire for this world. Because he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. There is an acknowledgement here by Jesus that the world isn't as it should be. The world is not as it should be. We look around ourselves. We watch the news. We understand from Genesis that God created this world good. It says in Genesis 1.27, he saw all that he made and it was good. But... For whatever reason, the things have fallen away from what they are meant to be. Does God get what he wants always? No, I don't think so. Some people hold to a theology where everything in the world happens exactly as God wants it. I don't think that's true at all. We saw earlier, didn't we? Just looking at the news this week. Maybe you haven't seen the news, but these things happen in Morocco in, in uh, Libya, in Ukraine, just in our community. Gang violence, drugs, domestic abuse, family breakup, sickness and death. This world is not as it should be. Rather than debating, well, if God is all-powerful, why does he allow these things to happen and dwelling on that. This prayer has a simple response. This prayer of hope. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So what is God's will? What is God's will? What does God say? Quite simply, the first and final word God says is not an idea, but a person. Jesus Christ, in John's Gospel, at the beginning, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I've said this time and again, but it's worth repeating. What is God like? Who is God? It is Jesus Christ. Theologian T.F. Torrance, the famous phrase, he said, There is no God behind the back of Jesus Christ. 
when we look at Jesus, when we read about Jesus in the Gospels, there is God is not different to Jesus. When we see Jesus, everything Jesus does, that is who God is. If we want to know what God wants for the world, we turn not to our own intuitions or feelings, not to what political leaders say or princes or queens or kings. We look to Jesus Christ. It is hard, brothers and sisters, to overemphasize the importance of Jesus in this Christian life. I don't know if with my children, sometimes I kind of have this game where I play, you know, guess how much I love you? And maybe your parents played this with you. Do I love you this much? No. This much? No. This much? And you keep going over and over. This much? Yes. The, the point being that you can't put into words how much I love you. It's impossible to put into words. In the same way, it's impossible to put into words how important Jesus Christ is. Everything, Paul says, in all of creation was building towards Jesus, this person coming to the earth. He was there at the beginning. He was physically on his, in his body 2,000 years ago. And when we look to the future, it will all be about him. It is impossible to overemphasize how important Jesus Christ is. As we read the Gospels, we see what God is like. What is the kingdom of God? It is anything that looks, smells, or feels like Jesus Christ. Of course, perhaps that's easier said than done. Christians emphasize different aspects of Jesus' life, but that's why it's so important to keep coming back time and time and time again to the Gospels, to Scripture, like we do every week. That's what we do when we gather. We, we, we are sent out in the week, we come back together in fellowship, and we, we open Scripture together. We, we understand more about, we remind ourselves who God is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the picture, of course, we get in the Gospels of Jesus Christ, this person who's bringing the kingdom, is one who is remaking the world. He is remaking the world. In the Old Testament, we have Israel, who God raises up to put the world to right after the fall. And then we have in the New Testament, Jesus, who is born, and he is patterned after Israel. It's remarkable. You look at through the Gospels. Just like Israel, Jesus goes down to Egypt after he's born. He goes down to Egypt and he comes back up. Just like Israel, he goes into the wilderness. He dies to himself and the old ways of life, the inherited human traditions that have come in and corrupted. He says he's the fulfillment of the law. And he wanders around the countryside in, in Galilee and he gathers people around him. And he is remaking the world around himself. These people who come and follow him are called to die to themselves, to repent, ask for forgiveness, and to forgive one another. And this kingdom is built around this one person. The place where people say yes to God. That is Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ is dwelling in us, that is where the kingdom is. But it's also now. Jesus emphasized the time is now. It's not later on. This is the Salvation Army, the original Salvation Army. Maybe we've lost some of this urgency, but that was what it said. Now is the time. Do not wait. What does Jesus say? 
None of this, go and bury your own dead. Let the dead bury themselves. The time is now. And I say that to you, brothers and sisters, this morning. The kingdom of God is at hand. It is available right now. If we let Jesus Christ into our lives. Does that mean then that the kingdom of God is the church? Does it mean that the kingdom of God is that we are the church, aren't we? Does that mean... Uh, if Jesus is building a kingdom around himself, surely we are God's people. And the kingdom of God is only found with his people. There is a temptation for this, but I don't think that's quite right. We do not control God's kingdom. The kingdom is God's. That's why it's called God's kingdom, isn't it? Your kingdom come, not our kingdom come. And if God's kingdom is where God's will is done... I think it's evident that God works outside the boundaries of his church. Jesus says that he causes, God causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. The kingdom of God is wherever forgiveness, kindness, generosity are seen. The kingdom of God happens when an asylum seeker is allowed into a place um, able to flee a place of war or persecution. And I know many of you here today, that is a reality that you have, have been through yourselves. God works through politicians working for a fair wage for people. Or growing the economy so less people are in poverty. Happens when a non-Christian couple commit to each other in marriage and raise their children well, or even if someone of another faith, when they give to the poor, God will use those who don't know him. And it says that in scripture, doesn't it? He uses Pharaoh in, in, in Egypt. He uses the, the princes and kings and other nations to discipline his people Israel. And that's the same today. And it's also obvious, brothers and sisters, it should be obvious that the kingdom of God is often and at times absent from our churches. Yeah? Isn't it? Absolutely. Who could look at the dreadful history of child abuse in various churches and say that that's the kingdom of God? Of course not. We need to be not complacent about this. Paul makes it obvious in his letters when there's scandal or gossip or sexual immorality or slander, the kingdom of God is not dwelling within you. So let's not be arrogant enough to say that. But what is the difference then? Should we just not go to church? Does it not matter if we go to church and just, you know, the kingdom of God doesn't seem to be in or out of the church? Well, the difference is, is we are the ones, as followers of Jesus Christ, who can point to whose kingdom it is. We know the name of the kingdom. This is the kingdom of God, and God is revealed in Jesus Christ. We are the ones who can point to the truth, even if we don't always act in accordance with that truth. We have the Holy Spirit empowering us to name whose kingdom it is. But even when we sin, even when we sin and confess, we are bearing witness to that kingdom, aren't we? Being able to call sin by its proper name is a key part of our witness. When we confess to one another, when we confess to the world, and we say, we got this wrong, and this is why it's wrong, that is part of our witness in the world. And that's the ultimate difference 
The kingdom is God's, and God made the world, but he has raised up a people who not only demonstrate, are meant to demonstrate what life looks like in this kingdom, but witness to it. We are witnesses to God's kingdom, not to ours. If you bear witness to something, you point beyond yourself. If I visit another city tomorrow, and I say, Liverpool is the best city in the world, which it obviously is. Grace, you'll find that out. <laughs> it's very true. Um, but then I go and treat them badly. I talk behind their backs and I steal from them. You know, they're not only going to think I'm an idiot, <laughs> but they're going to think, well, that city of Liverpool that he thinks is so great, that's probably not a very good city, is it? Why would I want to go there? People from Liverpool are, are probably not that, that good. I'm representing Liverpool. But of course, our first allegiance as Christians is not firstly to a city or even a country, all those countries that we saw earlier on, but it is to the kingdom of God. If there's any flag that we hold our allegiance to, it's that lamb of God who was slain. We are representatives. Paul says we are ambassadors of the kingdom sent into the world, showing people what it is like in God's kingdom, but also telling whose kingdom it is. Sorry, there you go. <laughs> An illustration. Finally, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about this a lot before. The point of Christian life is not just to fly away into the sky when we die and leave this world behind. Heaven is not so much a place, but it is a state. It's where God's will is done. The kingdom of heaven is the way Mark puts it, the kingdom of God in the other gospels. It's, it's heaven in many ways is the kingdom. That is where the kingdom reigns, where God's will is unopposed. Of course, we do believe that when we die, we will go and be in heaven, wherever that is, whatever that is. In Revelation, it says, one day every tear will be wiped from their eyes. There will be no more suffering. But the point is not to sit around and wait until we die, but to long for this kingdom. Where? On earth. Yes, there are times in Scripture that say that the things of this earth are passing away, but it's not so much that this, this physical world is passing away, but it's it's the patterns of life that don't glorify God. What we said earlier, gang life which destroys lives, earthquakes, racism, oppressive economic systems, sin, effectively. That is what is passing away over and over again. And slowly, slowly, God's kingdom is coming into this world. The vision of scripture is one of renewal of this world. The renewal of this world. And it starts around this person, Jesus. He's building the world anew around him. And everything else will fall away. Anything that's not of Jesus Christ will fall away. And the most amazing thing, brothers and sisters, is that we have a role to play. It's like a drama. Has anyone been to the theatre recently in different acts? It's like... God is kind of doing this play and kind of invites us onto the stage and says, you have a role to play within this. I've shared this before, but I love this image um, of uh, 
uh, a father who's cleaning his car, could be a mother, it doesn't really matter, a father's cleaning his car, and his daughter comes out and says, I want to help, I want to help. And the reality is it would probably be much far, faster for the father to do it on his own. But he says to his daughter, yes, I want you to join in because it's going to be a lot more fun if we do it together. And that's kind of, in a sense, what God is doing with us. He could click his fingers and the world would be okay. He is all-powerful, but he chooses to work with us. And this happens both through our prayers. We are called to pray without ceasing, but also through our actions of compassion, of justice and mercy. It's a tragedy that maybe different sides of the church think that only one of those two things matter. They come together. I was recently drawn to this quote by Augustine, this amazing father of the church, this North African father of the church. And he says this, no person has a right to lead such a life of contemplation as to forget in their own ease the service due to their neighbour. Nor has anyone a right to be so immersed in active life as to neglect the contemplation of God. Isn't that good? They come together. And of course, we need prayer warriors. We need people to pray without ceasing. And if that's God's gift that he's given you, please be released into that. We also need those who seek justice and mercy in our communities and our streets. But it's not that one is better than the other. They're meant to go together. They're meant to complement each other. They're meant to complement each other. So what? Tomorrow's Monday morning. What does this mean for you as you wake up tomorrow? It's all very well to say this as we're gathered in church together. I want to say one thing. As you wake up tomorrow, getting ready to go to work or to do whatever you do on a Monday morning, Pray, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in Liverpool, in the United Kingdom, in Yemen, in wherever it is, maybe your home country, wherever you're from. Pray, your kingdom come. God, show me where your will is not being done. Maybe it's within me. Your kingdom come in me. Show me where your will is not being done. Break my heart for something or someone to pray for and to respond practically. Simple prayer. Can we all commit to doing that tomorrow morning? Waking up and praying, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Is my life or our corporate life aligned with Jesus? Are we walking with Jesus? Are we in a good place with him or not? Your kingdom come in my own life and in the place where I live. In conclusion, God's kingdom is God's kingdom. It is not our kingdom. We don't control it, but we can witness to it. And that's what we're called to do is we're sent out from here on a Sunday into our streets, into our workplaces, wherever it is. We are meant to be ambassadors for this kingdom. It's not our kingdom, it's God's, but we are meant to witness to it. It is intrinsically linked to Jesus Christ. You cannot say Jesus Christ is too important because everything is about him, everything. He is the one who embodies the kingdom where the pattern of life is where God's will is done. And if Jesus lives in us, 
we are more likely to exhibit this kingdom, even when we sin. Amen. We're going to respond by singing a beautiful song. The time we have is.